Hi, I'm Jackie Golden and welcome to The Secret Sauce. In today's podcast, I'm going to share with you how you can design customer success strategy profitably. So we're going to look at some design considerations that help your growing and scaling organization and how to do it financially responsibly and to be able to produce profitable organization and sustainability. And for those listening to the podcast, there will be a graphic. I'll put it up on my Facebook page so you can take a look at it. So before we get going, a few little assumptions I like to make sure that we're on the same page with. One of them is is that you as an organization are making customer success a part of your overall company-wide strategy. And the second is is that as part of that, exercise every year that you come up with your strategy that you align from the top line goals all the way through your organization where customer success and the strategy you've come up with is a part of an integrated highly from top to bottom in your strategic plan that leads all the way down to your operational plan. So we're going to talk a little bit about that but just wanting you to uh, understand there's a few assumptions um, that I won't go into a lot of detail in this podcast. So let's kind of start at the top line and just you know, talk about how you actually plan from an organizational perspective every year or even a three year out type of plan. So you put your strategy together and your strategic plan has all of your top line goals and metrics and objectives. And then each of the organizations would have goals and metrics associated with their strategic plan that align to that company's strategic plan. So note that you know the most effective way um, to do this is also to define those SMART goals and to use SMART goals for the teams to achieve rather than MBOs. You'll kind of find that as you start to work with SMART goals that they're just um, a much more accurate way of driving contribution in a positive way towards the growth of the company and the goals of the company rather than MBOs. So as much as possible, try to use those SMART goals. So the key metrics um, that you're using around these SMART goals, you know, everybody always asks me, why SMART goals? Well, they represent these key metrics and they measure how things are working and not working. And they're actionable. And so that's why SMART goals are a really important part of your strategic planning process. And it helps the teams to know what to focus on and how to correct it quickly um, and where to make those adjustments to drive towards those goals. So it's easy to assign growth goals to all of these metrics as well. You can assign year over year um, or even quarter over quarter goals. So now the teams are always driving towards the overall growth goals of the company, all in alignment with that top line strategic plan. And obviously we always usually focus on that top line revenue. Um, That goal is usually publicized throughout the whole company. Everybody knows what they're targeting. Um, However, just breaking down really simply to get a company driving towards profitability, obviously the two main elements that you're looking at and you're focusing on is revenue targets and then operational budget or your expense targets. So how you're going to manage your costs associated with the revenue. That is your basic operational plan that leads to profitability. Or in a lot of companies, you know, they might still be burning cash, but they have a plan for how they're going to burn that cash. But obviously their ultimate goal is to get to profitability as a company. So if we hit these two main goals, right? If you hit your revenue goals, you hit your expense lines, basically you're hitting your profitability goals. So the purpose of SMART goals 
is to design them to drive the company's ability to predictively achieve the targets for those two main categories, driving your revenue results and being able to manage your costs in alignment with that. So each SMART goal should be aligned to one of these areas or subcategories obviously within those areas. And the teams who are responsible for managing SMART goals to the target should have authority to take action. So that's the other key element when you're developing and assigning SMART goals is actionability, but you have to have authority behind that as well. And you know, if you look at your overall company, right? everybody kind of knows sales is a revenue generator. And then for most companies, the rest of the organizations are cost centers. However, a lot of companies I work with don't realize that services should be a profit center, even if your goal is net zero. And that way there's more margin that can be basically allocated towards marketing and product. Um, services should really never be a cost center. So the metrics um, that you should define to measure your company's um, ability to manage your profitability line is basically managing your revenue to your targets, driving customer performance, that value perceived, and then managing costs that are aligned with those revenue goals. So those are the key areas that you wanna work on. So one of the graphics um, that I'm showing you right now is just a nice little summary of company SMART goals broken down by key metrics. So I categorized them into those three categories we just talked about. You have your revenue SMART goals, you have customer value or per perception SMART goals, and then you have cost management SMART goals. So if we break this down and we start with the revenue management column and we look at it by department, marketing for instance, they manage lead gen and they'll have various SMART goals that would ensure quick conversion rates to opportunities. Um, they'll also manage pipeline funnel and the idea behind the metrics that they would assign there is to ensure the highest um, per percentage of quality opportunities and the highest conversion rates to closed opportunities. So under each of the SMART goals will be various tactics used to drive to those desired results. So you, the other thing I like to do when I work with the teams is, you know, this isn't, you know, a set in stone set of metrics and you never change them. The idea as you go into your tactics is to experiment and work with different uh, SMART goals, develop and design different types of metrics, and look for the ones that actually, when the results are there, they actually drove the overall company to the performance that they were looking for in those overall targets. And so let's keep going down looking at sales, uh, for instance. So sales manages the sales cycle. And SMART goals around that are, you know, cycle time. So sales cycle time, how do we shorten that? Higher ASPs, higher win rates. Those are examples of good SMART goals. Um, and then, you know, managing the sales approach to ensure uh, a high forecast accuracy. So that's another um, key metric for sales is their ability to predictively forecast sales, usually within 5% are the goals for a lot of more mature companies. Um, looking at finance, obviously they would support sales in the other organizations by providing a lot of data accuracy and a lot of information around those metrics and key goals and cost management, meaning their operational plan and showing them their cost performance and how they're doing to that. Um, so for instance, if forecast accuracy within 
5% was one of those goals, they would be providing sales with information around that to show them how they're doing around the performance of that metric. Now let's look at the next column, looking at customer value and perception. So again, going back up, starting with marketing, marketing again, managing um, high prospect response rates, good goal, managing customer value stories being captured, what percentage of the customers are, have an actual value story. And value stories don't always mean, you know, full on case study and things like that. They can just be, you know, short value stories where the customer is confirming the values they've received, maybe values over time that have turned into some ROIs for them. Um, all good stories, all great marketing information to that they can leverage for brand management or capturing uh, additional market share over time. Um, uh, and obviously under customer value perception services has a lot of key metrics. One of them obviously being net dollar retention. That's the number one thing you hear everybody talking about and customer lifetime value. And the idea is, is you know, through a proven approach with specific customer outcomes, value outcomes, we've talked about this before, they need to ensure entrenchment into critical operations. So there can be a lot of tactical metrics that you could be measuring to see within your customer base, how are you doing? And if those metrics are all in a line going in the right direction, then that should mean that you are hitting your net dollar retention and your customer life, lifetime value. So that's what I mean by that alignment to that top line level goal. And then obviously managing customer references. Um, there can be different levels, um, and basically it's you know using their achievements, but turning it into value and ROI type stories and actual key metrics. And it's not just for you as a company to promote, this is for your customers to use for their business cases to be able to promote internally why your solution is so critical to their operations. And so then, you know, you look at product, same thing, right? They're managing customer life, uh, lifetime value. So smart goals that show how and why behind product usage that drives that organic expansion, um, managing how customers use the product to drive that entrenchment and that engagement factors that we've talked about in previous um, podcasts that show, you know, getting them into the green and then into that golden, fully entrenched uh, organic expansion happening. And then also, you know, product um, can manage the ability for customers to use the product um, in critical business operations. So they're measuring all kinds of different metrics to see how is it being used and what kinds of different critical business operations that are driving that ROI and that real value. So then under customer value and perception um, within product, you would be managing customer lifetime value. Um, using smart goals that show how and why behind the product usage that would have organic expansion. And they'd also be managing how customers use a product to drive entrenchment and engagement factors, which we spoke about in prior podcasts, because that shows you how to get your customers to green to that golden stage <clears throat> fully entrenched in your organization. And then obviously managing products, um, ability for the customers to use that um, for critical business operations, things that drive ROI and real value so that that turns into a long-term plan for them to continue to use your product over time. And then obviously the last column being cost management, that is where the finance organization would basically helping all of the organizations to manage to their budget. And the main thing I like people to know here is it's really about alignment. So if you're 
you're hitting your revenue targets, then it's about you know managing to the plan and making sure all the organizations have full visibility so they can manage proactively from a cost perspective to the plan. But it's also about when you have a shortfall to revenue, when you have a shortfall, there should be some communication and some visibility from finance to the organizations, letting them know that you're forecasting that shortfall. Therefore, they should also be finding ways to um, pull back on their costs as well so that the management of costs is also falling in alignment with the results of the company. Again, that's a more mature perspective on how you manage your organization towards your goal of profitability. So most of the time that goal around finance and those SMART goals are around trying to be within 5% of your targets and to be able to do that in a predictable manner. And that happens over time as you mature as a company. So now let's, let's talk a little bit about what are the top downfalls in managing profitability. So the key downfalls are pretty simple. Inability to drive to revenue results within 5% in a predictable manner and controlling headcount costs. So I believe you all understand driving to revenue results. So let me share a few key points on managing headcount costs. So headcount costs are the highest cost lines, generally speaking, on the budget plan. And many departments can manage all the other cost categories pretty well. However, what happens when your company starts to grow 2x, 4x is the, the result is that people want to throw bodies at that problem. So how do you keep up with that growth? And especially if that growth happens quickly. The first thing leadership generally does is ask for more people. Um, that's logical. But there needs to be some financial responsibility um, in the approach to determining when and what, what type of headcount you need. So it's really important to understand how to manage the profitability as you expand your customer base and your customer lifetime value over time. Right? It's really, really easy to go, okay, we're growing really fast, let's just hire a whole bunch of CSMs and, and people focused on customers and let's just make all the customers happy. It does sound great, however, it's very expensive to do that. So there does need to be some thought in how you do that and to really work through what kinds of roles you need, how you want to orchestrate your, your overall company model and your overall customer life cycle so that you can basically tackle more with less and get better and more effective and efficient over time. So I'm sure you've seen a lot of capacity models over time, but I'm a big believer that if you build these capacity models by role right up front, it really helps you to make wise decisions, but more than that, it helps you to build it into your strategic plan on how you're gonna use those headcounts so that it just becomes natural as you grow, as your customer base grows, you already have a model for what kind of headcount you need for doing what types of roles and what kind of services, um, not only within the company, but also specifically for your customers and your service to your customers. So a lot of times uh, you'll be creating a capacity model by groups of roles um, required, let's say, to, to deliver on each of the areas of your companies. And when you do that, it helps to make that decision process much easier and allows finance to ensure that the company's financial plan can stay on track. So I'm not gonna get into how to design a capacity model. I've done a lot of them. 
for a lot of different companies in a lot of different roles. Um, I just want you to know that um, they're, they're super helpful and I just want to go over a few key elements that if you are going to design one, here's a few things that I would recommend that you put into that model. Um, one of the elements is a contribution definition and those are things like how does that role contribute to those top line metrics that we were talking about or any of those tactical metrics that are aligned to those top line metrics. You have to have a real understanding of what is their goal and what is the role of that goal. Then you're going to have tactic factors that are also part of that, which is all the tactics of what they have to do to be able to basically contribute to those key metrics and those key goals of the company. And then you're going to collect data around each of those factors and you're going to understand what it takes to execute in that role, which is then going to drive a capacity model. And you're going to be able to use um, that data to understand when your company grows at 2x, 3x, this then is the amount of headcount you need and what kinds of roles and um, what kinds of contributions they're going to make. And that just lays it out really nicely for the leadership team and for your CFO to be able to prove those headcounts because they see that you're getting smarter over time as a company, you're getting more effective and efficient over time, and you can scale and grow, but you can do it profitably. Um, and you know, one of the things that I would suggest is make sure the data that you do use are on what I call successful use cases. Sometimes people throw all the data in there and that can kind of skew when you're putting a capacity model together. You really are trying to understand what does success look like and create that capacity model around that. Um, and each capacity model you design um, will be by role and they can also be um, incorporate the idea of different levels for that role based on experience. So capacity models will have a clear definition of how each role contributes to one or more of the SMART goals that you've defined that drive to the company results. And when this is done really well, MBOs will become a bit irrelevant um, and comp plans will be based more on attainment of those SMART goals. And so just one thing to note, this is usually established in a more mature organization, so this does take time. However, if you understand this early in your company life cycle and you build it into your strategic planning process early on, it'll allow you to mature faster and get to profitability planning and your ability to drive towards that much quicker. And you know, there are um, a lot of other areas that we can go into, but um, one of the things I get asked a lot is, whether we should have revenue targets assigned to CSMs or consultants uh, and field people. Uh, generally speaking, the answer is yes. I think everybody in the company should be aligned to those top line goals. Some will have a direct revenue number and some will be associated with a lot of key SMART goals and metrics that drive to those top line goals. So whichever way I would encourage that, that somewhere along the way, the goals you put in front of your team are aligned to those top line metrics. Um, and like I said, whether that's directly a revenue number or those types of metrics that drive to that revenue number, as long as they are all contributing metrics and they are SMART goals, those will all help the team members understand how they contribute to the overall success of the company. Um, so one of the things I wanna share is um, the majority of, of comp plans um, align to those SMART goals that align to the top line metrics um, really do allow you to understand 
how you can get to a more predictive state, uh, especially when you're driving to profitability. However, if the company isn't hitting their top line revenue goals or their cost management goals or the combination thereof, the company basically shouldn't be paying out on things like a bonus plan. Uh, remember that the company budget plan is based on hitting the revenue numbers, not paying out when they're not hitting the revenue numbers. So what this means is that if the company has a shortfall to the revenue target for the quarter, then those on a bonus plan would not qualify for bonus payout for that quarter. And the CFO can set a baseline minimum qualification point. For example, the CFO sets the target at 100% of goal, and they could still set a baseline bonus qualification of 85% of goal. And that 85% might be the budget plan, and the 100% might be that you know, overall target. Then the CFO could set a scale that pays, let's say, only 50% out at 85% of the number, or 75% out when you get to 95% of the number, and then 100 at 100. And then they could even have accelerators that if you get to, let's say, 110% or more, those accelerators that could kick in there. And if this, um, if this practice is put in place, what it does do is it allows everybody in alignment to the company, but it also allows the company to achieve its financial plans much, much quicker. Um, and it's still the practice to pay individual comp plans, like a salesperson that individually meets their goals, still, you know, their comp plan is still paid out. This is more around leadership and other types of uh, bonus plans throughout the company of how you can then align all of those uh, SMART goals together towards the company goals and then basically have baselines so that financially speaking, the company is growing together, everybody's celebrating and achieving things together. But when the company has a shortfall, then everybody is, is basically not necessarily achieving bonus plan and, and things like that. But that is all part of contributing towards the overall profitability of the company, where if customer success in the, is, in, is in the center of your strategy, that will be a key for the company to be able to achieve financial results. Um, I have worked with some companies that do pay out um, other department bonus plans and other leadership comp plans even when they're not hitting their numbers. Um, it's just not a good financial practice to achieving profitability and self-sustainment, especially when you're saying that customer success is at the center of your strategy. If your customers aren't successful, they're not expanding, you're not achieving net dollar retention goals and your overall revenue targets, then those types of uh, bonus payouts should be um, basically less paid out to some degree or not paid out at all if they don't hit a minimum qualification. So the company should consider establishing a baseline point that meets the financial plan as a bonus plan qualification. From there, the plan pays up small percentages and then steps up until you get to 100% and then has accelerators when you're overachieving. And these are the practices that allow the leadership team to manage the company of profitability with customer success at the center of the strategy. Now, I get that this may not be what you wanted to hear because a lot of people are like, well, just tell me from my customer success team what their comp plan should look like and how I should do all of this. And the truth is, that part becomes a lot easier once you hit, once you design your top line strategic plan, all those key metrics that get you to the targets and your cost management plan that gets you to a profitability that you're looking for as a company. 
then it is much easier to take those numbers and to allocate them out across revenue generating organizations like sales, expansion teams, or whether you're doing a hunter farmer model, um, your customer success managers, your consultants, your educators, and all the services people that are on the front lines with customers. It will be much easier for you to plan out how you want to distribute revenue targets and how you want to have different organizations be responsible for both top line net dollar retention goals and all of the other tactical metrics that might be underneath that that help drive that. All of them should be aligned to some and or all of those goals and then you build your capacity models around that. That then helps you to know how many people you need to cover that customer base to achieve those top line metric goals. So I hope this discussion has been helpful in understanding just how to simplify your approach to driving your profitability with customer success at the center of your strategy. And everyone has a responsibility to drive key SMART goals that are aligned to drive customer value and ROI that basically is the top of your strategic plan. And that actually ends up, you know, like I've said before, customers' perceptions are reality, but basically if you do the right thing by the customers, all the numbers tend to follow right in a line around that. So driving revenue results predictively is one of the keys and understanding what creates success for your customers helps you to be able to drive to those revenue results much more predictively. And then the other element is managing the high cost elements or the headcount plan and bonus plans. So I appreciate you taking the time today to listen to our podcast on customer success profitably. I'll be talking with other customer success experts in the next few podcasts, so I hope you continue to listen. And if you have any questions or you'd like to contact me directly, you can go to our website at www.landandexpand.com and you can also reach me directly via email at jackiegolden at landandexpand.com. I appreciate your reviews online and all your feedback is welcome. Let me know if there's other topics you'd like us to talk about. Until next time, thank you and have a great week. Bye.